We're reading Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Thanks, Gracie. One of the reasons I love the Gospels is because as we get to hear Jesus' story, we find ourselves in it. And so in this story, Jesus is making his, ultimately his final journey from Galilee, where his ministry has been centered, south to Jerusalem. And as he heads from Galilee to Jerusalem, he needs to pass through, or in this case, pass around a region called, do you remember from the reading? Samaria. Samaria. Now, you may not know this, but see, the Samaritans, um, there, there was long-standing hostility between the, the Jews and the Samaritans, because see, about 700 years prior, um, after, well, you might remember from the Old Testament where there's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. They had two, two kings. They were kind of functionally divided. And the northern kingdom had a long string of really, really bad kings. And so the northern kingdom ended up doing all sorts of different kinds of idolatrous things. And God gave him warning after warning after warning after warning. And eventually... God allowed, God removed his hand of protection from them. You know, the worst thing you can tell God is to go away, because sometimes he'll listen to you. Is they removed his hand of protection, and the Assyrian army came in and basically obliterated the northern kingdom. Now, some of the, some of the, the Israelites of the northern kingdom were killed, others were carried off into exile, and others intermarried with the Assyrians and took on some of the Assyrian practices, some of the Assyrian religion. And so ever since that point, the Jews, and now they call them the Samaritans because they're kind of half Israelite and half Assyrian, them Samaritans didn't get along. So they would avoid one another. And now you might remember from early, from some of the other gospel passages where Jesus, he, he broke, kept breaking down all these social barriers. And so sometimes when he was making a journey from Galilee to Jerusalem, he would go right on through Samaria and he wouldn't have any trouble talking to Samaritans. But it seems this time, this time he was following the more conventional route. And so it's on the border between Galilee and Samaria, probably somewhere between 40 and 50 miles away from Jerusalem at this point. Now, when you, when you hear that passage or that, that phrase, the border between Galilee and Samaria, it's not like the 49th parallel or the, uh, the Rio Grande where there's like a clear, you know, there's no border guard. There's no, um, you know, there's no, you know, line in the forest. If you ever see on the 49th parallel, it's pretty cool. Um, 
This, this is more like no man's land. This is kind of this nebulous zone in between Galilee and Samaria. It's, it's the place, it, it's, well, it's like no man's land. Nobody wants to go there. So who, do, who in the story, who do we find there? Who's hanging out in no man's land? Lepers. The lepers. So as he's making his way through functionally no man's land, he encounters some of the people who live in no man's land. He's getting ready to go into a, a village and 10 lepers. They probably heard the stories about Jesus. Jesus' ministry has been well established at this point. He's done some ministry even in Samaria. So they know who he is. And they stand at a distance because, do you remember quarantining? A long time ago in a land far, far away. Quarantining. Well, see, lepers would need to quarantine. Um. I don't know if you remember this from your quarantine. Who in the room has had to quarantine sometime in the last five years? I'm assuming almost every hand's going to go up. A few of you didn't? Well done. Okay. I'll tell you this much. I learned my few things about myself during quarantining. Now, I, those of you who are full-on extroverts, you go about 15 minutes of quarantining and you're going nuts, Right? Those of us who are kind of in between introvert, extrovert, you have like a day or two and you're like, this is kind of nice, <laughs> being honest, you know. I get a little bit of time and to catch up on my reading. And even, even those of us who are, I mean, I'm, I'm a little more extroverted than introverted. I'm kind of on the border there, in the, the borderlands, so to speak. Even our introverts, after a couple of weeks, you're like, I'm kind of missing people, Right? Can you imagine what it would have been like for those lepers? Because for them, quarantining wasn't just a temporary inconvenience. It was a lifestyle. Now, you might remember what it was like to go a couple of weeks without, or, or, or those of us that, you know, you, you had to connect with your family members over Zoom, and you're like, I'm grateful for Zoom, sort of. But... Like, you're just longing for face-to-face time with people? Can you imagine what it would be like for them? If you were quarantined for years, maybe even decades, to not be close with your spouse, to not hug your children, that any, any interaction is going to happen from 20 feet away, here, I brought you something. And then you have to step back. You know, lepers would sometimes have to go around saying, unclean, 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 unclean. Just to warn people that they're coming. Now, when we see the word leprosy in the Bible, it, it, one of the, it, it, it's, a, it's a reference not only to Hansen's disease, which is, you know, the more modern day term for leprosy, but really any kind of, um, Potential, what they believe to be potentially contagious, dis, you know, disabling skin disease. But assuming this passage is about those that have Hansen's disease, I mean, the problem with Hansen's disease is that you're, you're, you go numb. Like, you, you, you stop 
feeling pain. And so people with Hansen's disease are more prone to infection. So that's why people, especially back in Jesus' time, thankfully now that we can treat it with antibiotics. Thank you, Jesus, for modern medicine. Um, but back in, back in the day, I mean, they would get infections. So, you know, lepers would often lose, you know, fingers and toes from that. Or, like, you, you know that reflex you get when you, uh, when you touch a stove and your hand just kind of automatically jerks back? You know, just as it hits something, touches something hot, you know that reflex? They lose that reflex. And so they're prone to burns. So there's all sorts of damage that's happening to their bodies over time. You're quarantined. You're over time becoming disfigured. You're isolated. So these 10 lepers, these 10 lepers, one of whom we'll later learn is a Samaritan, and we're going to come back to this. These 10 lepers, they're, they're in no man's land. And, uh, and it's interesting because you've got, you've got nine of them that are, that are Jewish, one of them that are Samaritan, and yet they're all hanging out together. You know, when you are so low on the in the, in the societal structure, that you really could hardly go any lower, you'll hang out with anyone. In the junkyard, you don't, make a, you don't differentiate between the, the Porsche and the Ford because it's all garbage, right? And, and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because there, there's one element about, about the, these leper situation that we need to understand if we're going to really understand this story. You see, the, the lepers didn't only have a like a physical problem, though they certainly had one. And they didn't just have a social problem, like quarantining, which, can we all agree, is horrible? It's just no fun to quarantine. They had a spiritual problem. Because, see, back in, in those days, and thankfully this attitude isn't as prevalent today, though you may have wrestled with this from time to time. When someone gets sick, it was believed that their sickness was the result of of their sin. Your sin has made you sick. Your sin has... So it might have been your sin, or it might have been your parents' sin, or in the case of Samaritans, it's generational sin. I mean, because, I mean, your great, great, great great, great, not so great, grandparents, I mean, they compromised their faith, they compromised their national heritage, they compromised everything. These are compromised, I mean, I'm going to, like, they would use the term half-breeds. So the reason you're sick, people believe, the reason you're sick is because you deserve it. God wouldn't allow good people to get sick. Only bad people get sick. Your sin has made you sick. That's why they're living in the no man's land. Somewhere between Galilee in the north and Samaria in the middle. And so they hear, you know, they hear that Jesus is coming through. And so from a distance, they call out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, 
have pity on us. Some translations, Jesus, have mercy on us. Because their situation is about as, as low as you can go. Isolated, injured, and considered spiritually cursed. Your sin has made you sick. So then what does, do you have your Bibles open, by the way? Luke chapter 17. What does Jesus say to them? What's he say? That's right. Go show yourselves to the priests. What's that all about? Go show yourself. See, here, here's, here's, here's the other piece that's going on here. Now, it, the, one of the roles of the priests in the, in the Old Testament was to maintain the um, spiritual purity of the people, the, 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 the holiness of the people. And so, to a certain degree, priests also function as kind of like public health officials. So if you read, because maybe you love to read Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 13 through 15, there's a couple of chapters there, gripping chapters about infectious skin diseases. Yes. Um, because one of the roles the priests would have is if someone had one of these funky, like you have a funky rash, you go see the priest, and the priest has, has like these things, that by modern-day medicine, we actually look back on that and go, oh, there's some wisdom there. You know, of, of, is it somebody who needs to quarantine or just somebody who needs to take a bath or put some lotion on? Like, you need to know the difference between the two. And, and there's, this, there's some pretty substantial ancient wisdom in Leviticus 13 through 15, but the priests were, were charged with kind of working this out for people. So when somebody's skin disease had passed, when they had recovered from the skin disease, they need to go to the priest, and the priest is going to check it out, and they go, oh, Andrew, that mole, it's not funky anymore. It's looking better. You know, hey, that's good. And, they, and the priest could give them a clean bill of health, and they could return home, and they could return back to their family. And the priests um, were, well, they would work out of the temple in Jerusalem. Go show yourselves to the priests. Show yourselves to the priests. Now, at this point in the story, has anybody, have, has anything happened? Did lightning strike? You know, they're like, oh, I'm healed. Has any of that happened yet? No. No. So what do these lepers do? They start walking. I mean, that's, they start walking towards Jerusalem. Now, this, this, by the location, it's probably like somewhere between 30 to 40 miles away. It's potentially a long walk. And yet, as they're walking, something starts to happen. As, as, as they went, they were cleansed. So we have to imagine this scene. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. They're like, okay. Okay. And they start walking. I wonder how many miles they needed to walk before they started to feel something. 
Did some toes regrow? Did they start to get feeling back in the arm where that had been numb for years? Did they notice the rash start to disappear? As they were going, they experienced healing. Now, if do you remember the first time after COVID when you got to be part of a family gathering again, like where everyone could be there? That was good, wasn't it? I learned after a couple weeks of quarantining, I hate quarantining. I really, really hate quarantining. I will do almost anything to just, like, just get back in person with people I love, right? Exactly. And I'm even a rule follower, and I did it. I hated it. Doesn't mean I enjoyed it, but I did it. If you were one of those lepers in that situation, what would you do? You've been quarantined, let's, let's say, for five years. Five years of quarantine. You have a conversation with Jesus. You start walking towards Jerusalem, and two miles into the, into the hike, You would be dancing, wouldn't you? What, what's the first priority on your mind? Where do you want to go? I want to go home. I want to go home. So they're gonna, you're going to hightail it to the, to the priest. You're going get, to get your clean bill of health as quickly as you can. Get my little card. Look, I'm okay. <laughs> you would do anything to get back home. What do you think these lepers did? They started the journey back home. Exactly. You get you hightail it to Jerusalem. You're like, priests, get, get I don't care which priest, just get one over here. Look, 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 look. And I don't know if they write them a little certificate or or what it is, but the priest that carries them clean and they get to go home. You get to hug your kids. Get to be close with your spouse. You get to have family meals where you all are around the same table again. You get to feel like a human being again. We can only assume that that is what nine of them did. And then there's this funny little irony with the tenth one. Because the tenth one was a Samaritan. Right? Now, I think this is part of the genius of Jesus. Jesus' message for, for people as he's healing them ends up being so individual. See, the Samaritan, well, because they're considered quote-unquote half-breeds, they shouldn't even be allowed to go into the temple. Or they can go to the outer temple courts, but they can never go all the way in. There's a good chance that if they wanted to meet with the priest, the priest wouldn't even come and see them. And yet, it seems this Samaritan leper starts the journey anyways. Doesn't know how it's going to turn out. And he's walking along, and let's say it's one mile or two mile or maybe five miles down the road. He starts to feel something. 
getting this, he's getting the feeling in his body back. He knows he's healed. And so what's he do? He turns around and he comes right back. There's some, there's some symbolism in here. The very person who was not allowed to go to the temple, he ends up returning to the one who is greater than the temple. The very one who would probably not be seen by any self-respecting priest finds his way right back to the one who the book of Hebrews calls our great high priest. He's going, he's going to the temple and he's going to the priest. He's just going to it better temple and a better priest. And then what does he do? What's he do? That's right. He falls on his knees. He's making a loud voice. He's making a big fuss of himself. He is praising Jesus. He's thanking him. And then Jesus says the most remarkable thing, the most remarkable thing. Again, this is, this is the genius of Jesus. This is Jesus with an individual message to each person knowing exactly what they need. What does Jesus say? You've got, it. You got your Bibles open? What's he say? Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. First he says, you know, where, where are the other ones? Where, where, did, where are the nine? Now, I don't think Jesus was offended by the fact that these lepers started their journey home. I really don't. Because you think of all the examples where Jesus healed somebody and they just, he says, well, go home to your family. Go home to your family. Don't tell anyone. Go home to your family. Jesus, Jesus' healing is pure gift. He does, there's no strings attached. So he is not offended by the fact that these, that these Jewish lepers made their way home, presumably. What he is doing is he's commending the faith of this Samaritan. This isn't an opportunity to tear anybody down. This is an opportunity to build someone up. Rise and go, he says. Your faith, your faith has made you well. A little pause here. I want to do, let's do a little theology together, okay? A little bit of theology together. Now, now Jesus said it, so it's got to be true. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. When we receive healing from God, is it, is it a result of a certain degree of our faith? I mean, there's faith healers that kind of will tell you that stuff. I remember actually hearing a faith healer teaching on this passage who claimed that the, you know, the nine didn't actually, they got their healing, but then they lost it because they didn't come back. I think he's wrong. I think he's wrong. Is, is, the, is, the, faith, is the faith dependent, the healing, is it dependent on a certain degree of faith? Like, is it like, okay, you've got a sickness, and this is an eight, requires an eight out of ten faith, and you only got to a seven? You know, so, you know, you, it's like, it's like, you know, getting good cell phone reception, you got to reach just right, get it just, you didn't, you didn't lift your right, you didn't lift your left leg when you were praying, it's not going to count. You, you, you need more faith if you're going to get healed, is that how it works? You just have to receive it. 
Now, there was some faith involved because, of course, these lepers, they had to do something. They, you know, Jesus said, you know, go show yourself to the priest. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and they had to start on the journey. But what do you have to lose? How much faith does it take to receive healing? Apparently not very much. Just a bit. Just a bit. Because, you see, if, 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 if this statement was all that there is to be said, rise in faith, rise and go, your faith has made you well, then, well, if that's all there is to be said about healing, then our healing is dependent on our faith. If that's all that there is to be said, our healing is, is dependent on our faith. So you've got to muster up more. Or maybe you've been in faith contexts where somebody's asked for prayer, and, and the people have prayed for them, and they didn't get healed. You say, well, what's wrong with your faith? See, it's your fault you didn't get healed. Because you didn't muster up enough faith. You didn't, you didn't lift your left leg just right, or pray with enough fervor, or loud enough. The cell phone reception is off. You should have reached a little higher. I don't think that's how God works at all. But... But, see, these nine lepers, they received the healing they were looking for. Their bodies were restored. They were physically restored, which resulted in them being socially restored. But let's think for a moment about what's going on for this Samaritan. This is Jesus giving an absolutely beautiful, unique Message, just like he does for each of us. He used the same phrase three other times, and only three other times. You know, one of them was for the woman with the issue of blood. And uh, he said a very, very similar thing. One of them for a, a blind beggar at the side of the road. And then one of them for the, the woman who, um, who, who, was, who, probably Mary Magdalene, who is weeping so much that, it, that, it, that her tears washed Jesus' feet and then she wiped his feet dry with her hair. And she didn't even receive physical healing at this moment, but Jesus said the same phrase. Your faith has made you well. See, the voices in this man's head, the voices in the culture around this man would have said, your sin made you sick. But Jesus says, no, your faith has made you well. See, all the other, all the other lepers, they received the healing they were asking for. They received physical healing. They received from the, that social healing. But the, but the Samaritan man, he got, he got two healings in one shot. He got healed physically. He got healed socially, and he got healed spiritually from shame. Yeah, amen. That's right? Yeah. He got two healings. He got two healings. Now, it's all good when you're asking God for healing of, our, of your body, which is why we, we pray for the sick. And I mean, you notice even in our congregational prayers, we pray for the sick a lot. It's good. And, and you and I, we've pro you've seen God heal. I've seen God heal. 
I've seen when, when we pray for people, they tend to heal faster and better and stuff happens. And there are, there's so much of it that we just cannot control. It's not a formula. It's a relationship. And the way that Jesus puts it to this man, this individual message, it heals him from shame. For 700 years, his ancestors have carried the shame. You're a half-breed. Whatever bad happens in your life, you've earned it. And now here you are, a leper. Your sin has made you sick. No, it hasn't. The brokenness of the world has caused you to be sick. The world's telling you that your sin has made you sick, but Jesus says, I'm telling you, your faith has made you well. So call out to God for physical healing. He can, he does. We can't control it, but we can always ask. Um, One of my mentors liked to say, everyone receives healing. Not everyone receives a cure. Because God knows, because Jesus knows the deepest places in our life that need healing. You know, it's not just... No, God wants to bless us with good things. He wants to... He loves his kids, just like you love your kids. And so it's okay to ask. And it's great to receive. But one of the great parts about this story is, is, is this, so this, this Samaritan leper, he goes, he receives the physical healing he was asking for. And as he comes back to Jesus, as he returns to the even greater temple, as he comes to the even greater high priest. Jesus gives them that second measure of healing and uh, begins to heal his shame. As, as we think about that, especially, this is why I wanted to, to touch on this story as we're heading into Thanksgiving. It's not just about what we have. The real issue of Thanksgiving is about who we have. Friends, be grateful for the blessings that you have received. Be grateful. And if you really want to do something remarkable this Thanksgiving, remember where they come from. You know, so this leper, he, he, he comes back and he realizes that his healing is ultimately from, from Jesus, that Jesus is the one that caused it. And so he makes a big fuss of himself. He, he's loud, he's, he's falling on his face, he's, he's a bit demonstrative, he gets all close. What I hope we would do in the next few minutes 
is to, on some level, for us to be, be the one. Be the one. I was trying to look up how many, um, you know, what percentage of, of, of Washington state population attends church on a, on a regular basis. It's, the, the stats, they're, they're, they're hard to track down because on surveys people lie, so the numbers are all over the place. Um, somewhere between, probably somewhere between 20 and 30%. I think it's closer to 20, maybe even a bit lower now. So, you know, of the 10 lepers where, you know, Washington State would be, we'd be about one and a half, one and three quarter lepers, you know. Be the one. Be among the one. Who doesn't just, I mean, because God pours out his blessings on all of us. All of us, all of us benefit from the goodness of God. His common grace has made life good for all of us. We live in the most like the most prosperous culture ever known to humanity. And we largely take it for granted. Don't forget where your blessings come from. So what I'd like to challenge us to do for the next few minutes, just to, just to um, well, to kind of get into, get into Thanksgiving for real, is uh, take the piece of paper that you received and here's what I'd like you to do with it. There's pens on the, in the seats in front of you. Take a moment and write Jesus a thank you card. And then in, in a few moments, the worship team's going to be leading us in a song. And what I would invite you to do, just as an act of worship, come take your card and place it somewhere along the front. We're just going to have a, an offering of thanks. We're going to remember where our help comes from. We're not just going to say, God, I appreciate the blessings. See ya. God, I appreciate the blessings. Thank you. So I'm going to give you a moment moment to do that. It's not just what we have. The real gift is who we have. If you're joining us online, I invite you to post something. In the next song, we're actually going to put the, the lyrics full screen so that there's room at the bottom so that if you're posting a phrase of thank you, we're going to actually put it right up in the room. So this is like all interactive, real-time stuff. Um, write your thank you phrase and if you'd be so kind, allow us to, to read it together. We're just going to tell God thank you. Lord, it's not just for my physical health. Lord, it's not just from my financial provision. Lord, it's not just from the, for the relationships you've placed around me. Lord, thank you for you. So 
So Lord, as we enter into this week of Thanksgiving, as we gather around tables, as we eat good food, as we enjoy one another's company, Lord, may we not forget where our help truly comes from. Lord, thank you for the blessings and healing that we've received. Lord, thank you that for so many of us, we've experienced healing in our bodies, or healing in our relationships, maybe healing of our finances. And Lord, thank you that because of what you did by giving your life for us on the cross, we also get to experience healing of shame. We get forgiveness. We get salvation. We get an eternity with you. So Lord, today we remember. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. <laughs>